New York Real Talk with Pamela Sue Mann, Alex Lefchuk, and some incredibly inspiring guest co-presenters from the city that never sleeps via Siren Radio and Southside Broadcasting. He gave me a little moonlight when I need it. That's it, Jim. Oh, what a little moonlight can do. Your poor tongue just will not utter the words I love you. What little moonlight can do? Wait a while till little moonbeam comes peeping through. You get ball, you can't resist him at all. You say when you have. What a little moonlight can do What a little moonlight can do What a little moonlight can do to you You're in love Your heart's a flutter and all day long Not three, not four, but five. Five Tony Award-winning connections with our next guest on New York Real Talk. Yes, we could only be speaking about that awesome individual who is a true giant when it comes to Broadway and a variety of other things, and indeed was certainly so when he was in Vienna, Austria, uh, at the Academy of Music and Performing Arts. Uh, of course, we're referring to the legend that is uh, Ace musician extraordinaire, uh, George Farmer. How are you, George? I'm good, Alex. Thanks for having me. It was really <laughs> was great quite, to connect with you. That was quite an self. introduction. 
Well, the, you, you are an upright and electric bassist extraordinaire. So you know, this is critical that the uh, the message is actually out there. And as I said, five, five Tony Award things. I mean, that just stands them out alone from that point of view. But let's dial back a bit. I mean, Pamela's joined us now, and uh, I think we're also going to be joined by uh, Jessica as well from that point of view. But um, just share with us um, the pathway, the pathway which has actually led you to become this awesome uh, musician. That, uh, that that we have now well i was born and raised in vienna austria um in 1972 i'm not ashamed to say that uh and um <laughs> and uh i i come from a musical family uh, my father was a trumpet player and uh, my mother was a bank director and um basically i uh went into music pretty much early on um, started uh, learning how to play the piano at six um, and then didn't really do much music throughout my teenage years. Um, come age 18, 19, I did decide that um, an instrument was going to be the rest of my life and that was the electric bass. And um, But at the time, unfortunately, there, wasn't really, there weren't really that many resources what the electric bass was concerned in Vienna. So um, out of somewhat necessity, I started um, studying classical upright bass. Um, I studied at the Academy of Music and at the same time um, ventured into jazz bass at the Conservatory of Vienna. So uh, finished both of those institutions, uh, 95 and 96 respectively. And then since I am American, my father was American, I had the citizenship from uh, ever since I was born, um, I decided that uh, it would be a good idea to try my luck in New York. Uh, I had been over here ever since I was 10, um, visiting relatives. And um, yeah, the sound of New York, the sound of uh, the music coming out of this city intrigued me and uh, I decided to move. In 96, I finished my studies in, I believe, June or July of 96. And in September, I was out of Vienna. Um, mm-hmm. So it didn't, you know, even though the move itself was quick, but it was sort of uh, a five year lead up to that move. And um, for the first 10 years here in the States, uh, pretty much freelanced wherever I could. Um, I started off playing on the street. Um, I was a busker, you would call it. Uh, for a year and a half, um, all the while making connections, going to open mics, jam sessions. Uh, finally got my first couple gigs. Um, started playing around the nightclub circuit, around the wedding band circuit here in the States, and got some touring opportunities with um, recording artists. And uh, so fast forward, I'm giving you the abbreviated version. I, I, I don't want to keep people too long. Um, Uh, Fast forward 10 years from the move, um, I had finished a touring gig, I believe it was 2005 or 2006, and uh, got back to the city, got back to hanging out um, at uh, music clubs, and through a mutual friend, um, got involved in what was at the time the workshop of um, a musical theater piece, and that was Spring Awakening. Um, I ended up getting the chair for that piece, uh, first doing Off-Broadway and then the Broadway production. 
and that kind of got me started in the musical theater world um so after spring awake spring awakening did extremely well which was somewhat of a surprise to everyone involved the subject matter of the show just to give you a brief uh, rundown the show is based on frank wedekind's spring awakening um theater play which deals with um teenage uh coming of age teenage angst you would call it in the 1700s germany very repressive uh, time um and uh so th the message of that show was somewhat universal because it dealt with teenagers coming into their own yet for american standards and perhaps european standards but definitely american standards very risque right so when spring awakening hit as hard as it did i believe that it caught everyone a little bit by surprise um and uh the show yeah did very well we won we got nominated for 11 tonys which is the equivalent of an oscar or um i believe you call it the olivier award mm -hmm. um uh, we won eight, including Best New Musical. So we were the talk of the town um, for, you know, a little over two years. Um, after Spring Awakening, uh, my next show was Memphis, uh, the musical Memphis, written by David Bryan and Joe DiPietro, um, which dealt with, again, somewhat risque, especially when it comes to the U.S. and the U.S. history, uh, risque subject matter, which is the birth of rock and roll and um, interracial love, uh, which is still an enormous taboo. Um, so that show uh, did extremely well as well. Uh, it ran for three years. It got nominated for a bunch of Tonys. It won Best New Musical that year. Um, and that kind of set me off into, you know, full-time or more than ever, going into uh, musical theater uh, and to the workload that's there. Um, my next show was, I'm getting this confused now. Let, but let's just hold it there briefly that, because yeah, yeah. Spring, Spring Awakening, of sure. course, was composed by Duncan Shake. And I do believe, Pamela, that you have a, a connection with respect to, to Duncan Shake and, and maybe would like to actually take on the, uh, the, 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 the baton of, uh, of, of quiz uh, meister uh, at, at this point, really. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I've got I've got someone in this room who knows more about Spring Awakening than I do. But oh, <gasps> it it is actually we have just for the benefit of the listener we have an appearance a cameo appearance of Jerry Leonard actually with us as well. Wow, excellent stuff there. Are you keeping well, Jerry Leonard? I am. I'm actually doing a project with Duncan Cheek. Yeah, Pink Moon album as a performance. Um, but I know Duncan for many years and he had great success with Spring Awakening. Uh, we all workshopped it back in the day a few times before we got to Broadway. They kicked me out. By the time we got to Broadway, I got kicked out. George got to stay. <laughs> Jerry, Jerry got the boot. <laughs> I was too unreliable. <laughs> I, I can't believe that at all. At, at yeah, least you actually said true. it. Is it Duncan Shake? Is it Duncan Sheik? I don't know. Is it, it, it's, it's all. It's all much of a muchness, really. Um, Sheik, yeah. Sheik, exactly. <laughs> but but not C H I C. It's extraordinary. But still, never mind. It's you know tomato tomato. It's it's like being in Austria. What the heck? Um, 
Pamela, anything you'd like to to put at this stage before we invite Jessica to join us with her quiz uh, questions for, for, for George? Oh, no, absolutely, absolutely. George, it's so interesting to hear to hear everything that it's, I think it's just so lovely when you meet people and you don't even know the breadth and width of what they've done or their story in New York because any musician that's has a story and they have a trajectory. And what I'm enjoying really with New York Real Talk as well is seeing my people have moved. I mean, Doug New Jersey, but <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> um, just seeing when they made the decision to be professional or made the decision to come here and leave their country of birth and then go and when you look over the long game of what is it maybe 20 years now or some some odd wow these people have i think three things in common one is an immense talent uh incredible work ethic um and 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 three is they quit ever and then, you know, these three things are a must. Um, Duncan, um, incidentally, happens to be a godfather. Um, so uh, that's an aside, but we've known him for a really long time. And we... Uh, I wanted to say that <laughs> George got to stay because he... That's Wait, say all Say that again. Say that again, because you you got yeah. cut off. You, you were just you were just a bit off microphone there, Jerry. We got George got to stay. Yeah. George got to stay in Spring Awakening because he was more—he was handsome. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, some, sometimes it can be the most, the, the, the most, you know, just trivial of, of, of rationales. But what the hey? There you go. Uh, beauty comes from within. It's <laughs> yeah. I mean, no never mind. Never mind the bass playing and all that. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You know, you you're from Australia. You know. Mozart was from Austria, so you know, fucking on board. I have a weird accent, so you know, never mind all that. But <laughs> Daddy, hey, Daddy, come here, okay? I need. What are you doing? I said, come here. You need to do what I tell you to do. Listen to me. Daddy, come here. Hey, right here, right now. You're making me mad. Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. I want to play airplane. I want to play airplane. I want to play airplane. I want to put my arms out and fly. Superman up in the sky Till I can see all of Pennsylvania Hey, give me a hand What'd you get, Daddy? Right, right, right uh, It's from Clyde Gibbons' barn What oh, a hall He said, take what you want I said, Clyde, are you sure? He said, it's all junk to me I said, okay, Clyde, okay Come on, take a look you go to auctions, yard sales, comb the dump And crap, there's crap, there's crap, there's... Hey, what's this? More crap? No. Linen. This is linen. Gorgeous Irish linen. See how I can tell. 
Right here, this floating thread you see, that's what makes it damask. And the weight, the weight, this drape, and the pattern crisp and clear. See how it's made from matte and shine, it's tattered here, but all the rest, how beautiful, how fine. Okay, okay, what else? Oh, crap, crap. Dead mouse. Oh, can I have it? It's all yours. What's this? Silver? Is this silver? Is this junk or silver? With polish we can tell. I love how tarnish melts away, opening to luster. And the mark, is there a mark? Yes, this stamp you see right here. That's how the craftsman leaves a sign that he was here and made his work so beautiful, so fine. This has traveled continents to get here and crossed an ocean of time and somehow landed in this box under a layer of crime I can't abide romantic notions of some vague long ago I want to know what's true dig deep into who and what and why and when until now gives way to then Did you ever imagine I'd hang on to your stuff, Dad? Me either but I guess I always knew that someday I was going to draw you in cartoons. Yes, Dad, I know. You think cartoons are silly, but I draw cartoons, and I need real things to draw from because I don't trust memory. But God, this thing is ghastly. You were so ecstatic when you found it at a yard sale. No, no, wait. In Mr. Gibbon's barn, it all comes back, it all comes back, it all comes back. There's you, and there's me, but now I'm the one who's 43 and stuck. I can't find my way through, just like you. Am I just like you? A sign that he was here. I can't abide romantic notions and made of his long ago. I, I want to know what's true. Dig deep into who and what and why and when. Until now gives way to My dad and I were exactly alike. I see everything. Caption, my dad and I were nothing alike. I'm Superman. My dad and my dad and I... But Daddy, come back! <laughs> you know, George, trying to be, you know, professional and, you know, diplomatic and, and even. And then Jerry Leonard comes in and just throws the thing off balance and... You know, that's, yeah. that's, that's what we do. That's... Guys, it's because of the Irish background. We know this. I know this because of the Irish in my own blood. So let's just pro progress from this. Let's let's turn actually now to, to Jessica. Jessica, you've had a look at George's uh, resume. You've seen sort of some of the things he's actually done. Uh, what questions have you got to put to our awesome uh, musician here? 
Well, I'd love to know what your plans are during the pandemic and if it has affected um, your journey with your music at all. Mm, yeah, um, I mean, of course it has. It's, uh, here's the thing. With any performing arts, we don't exist unless there is an audience. So performing arts are a way of self-expression, right? And hopefully we can convey something to an audience by means of whatever our output is. So having said that, um, the pandemic has sort of uh, laid bare our Achilles heel, which is without an audience, things get tough, right? Um, now, does that mean that I'm sitting around, you know, for a year and a half, two years now, not necessarily doing anything? Not at all. You know, there is an incredible amount and always surprising amount of um, work that needs to be recorded. And, um, you know, our business has shifted, our industry has shifted from uh, recordings being mostly done in major studios in large facilities um, to home recording, right? And just like all of my peers, um, all of the musicians that I know, um, I've ventured into that. And uh, I'm always grateful when people actually send me songs where they want me to put bass on. Uh, and that has been a big, uh, that has had, you know, a big resurgence or that has really come to the forefront. So that's one thing. The other thing is people always want to learn how to play an instrument. So teaching has become a big thing, right? And especially remote teaching. Um, and then lastly, um, I have to kind of set the stage a little bit, but um, in this environment, in the be it the musical theater environment or the music environment in New York, generally speaking, um, musical theater has taken over where the studio work has left off. So the big studios don't exist anymore. The big budgets for recording dates don't exist anymore. But musical theater work is still a steady unionized job. So to get a musical theater job, um, that's a coveted position, right? As such, I understand that. And um, I know how difficult it is. And I try to make that easier. So I have a very open door policy. I let everyone come in who wants to be my substitute player, um, meaning they play when I cannot play the show. Um, and that has been that has become known throughout the musicians community. Now, I was doing a show when the pandemic hit and when the shutdown happened. So usually people know how, how and where to find me because I play a show. Uh, when the pandemic hit, that was not the case anymore. And my partner, um, Alexis, uh, kind of suggested to me, listen, why don't you start a Facebook group, right? And I did just that. Um, it's called George's Space Chat. You can find it on, on Facebook. And I started doing these weekly um, videos, live videos, where I took the audience, whoever there was, you, have, you don't really know who's watching, but I took them through my process of uh, preparing for a show, through my thoughts on um, a variety of topics. I mean, we talked about the thread, the dreaded day gig, um, which I have had in my career. Uh, we've talked about, you know, Native American influences in popular music. We talked about uh, Black Lives Matter, of course. 
Um, I had a variety of guests on. So that has kind of become, I want to say, a vehicle to reach other musicians, to reach, to give information back to the community, reach other musicians, have them reach me, uh, ask questions, how do I get into this situation? I fully understand that my situation is very much, um, how should I put this? On the one hand, I'm super exposed because I've been doing shows now for a little over 15 years, uh, and they've all been extremely successful. So I'm not necessarily a rookie anymore, um, but I'm also not one of the old guard. Uh, as such, again, I open my, my door is always open. So if anyone wants to contact me, they can always contact me, they'll get the the book to the show, they'll, you know, I'll teach them how to play it, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, yeah, so George's Space Chat has taken over uh, to a certain degree. Uh, I'm turning that into a podcast myself right now. Um, and um, that's been kind of what's kept me busy um, during the pandemic. The other thing that I'd like to add to that is whether you have a show or not, your bread and butter as a musician is freelance work. So I do not necessarily see myself as a musical theater musician as such. I see myself as a freelancer. And the musical theater part is, that's part of that definition, right? So that's an important distinction to make because um, I know too many colleagues where the instrument doesn't come out of the bag uh, unless there's a theater job on the horizon. And as, as someone who, you know, lives on their own with a partner um you know there's no way how to how to make that sustainable you know just from a financial point of view yeah well no it's interesting too i i think that because um for other musicians um anywhere in the world which now is so phenomenal because we right. what you're talking about since the pandemic when everyone's home all of a sudden you're thinking, oh, what well, as a songwriter, oh my goodness, I can record. And so-and-so is home. And so-and-so, right. so, everyone's home and they all have their own amazing equipment and right. a studio of their own. And it was yeah. just like so exciting to be able to uh, bring in uh, my friends and hire my friends and, and, and uh, help to realize these songs. Otherwise, everybody's too busy. These guys are like George and Yuval and Doug and Jerry. They're just so good. They're always on the road or they're always in a show. So number one, you know, it's been so fantastic for the community, the global music community, the, the grassroots music community, because it elevates our songs. It elevates our production to have these phenomenal musicians on them. And the second thing, too, I would say, you know, having a, a very unique myopic perspective of being in New York and being a musician, sometimes, especially in the old school sense, you think, oh, well, they're a Broadway musician. I wouldn't hire them to play on my quasi-punk song or my pop song or my, you know, alternative little indie song. But the truth is, George can play all styles, and you know, he he's he he can really rock. I was gonna say ka but we're not allowed to swear on the show <laughs> it's, really it's, it's okay i think i think we get the general idea i mean looking at george's bass chat here obviously the place to discuss all things bass with with george uh, amazing again available on facebook and also a link to the youtube channel as well so uh, shameless plug there george i want to move slightly to uh, a kind of 
mutual colleague who sadly is no longer with us. We were a great uh, uh, fan of the actor Peter Miles, who's also a jazz musician and a huge friend of Dusty Springfield. Uh, both okay. of them obviously uh, since left. And I did notice in your in your resume that uh, you are also uh, very much a part of the um, Dusty Springfield musical, Forever Dusty the musical, um, between obviously December 2012 through April 2013. Um, right. Just in terms of that, I mean, Dusty, obviously one of the great songstresses of the 1960s, but uh, clearly obviously sort of echoed in, in so many ways coming out of, uh, of, of the UK. Do you have a particular favourite Dusty Springfield track or a particular sort of area where you think this is the one to go for? Or is it the traditional, just as long as it's Son of a Preacher Man? Yeah, Son of a Preacher Man is my favourite track. Son. And when his daddy would visit, he'd come along When they gather around and started talking That's when Billy would take me walking Out through the backyard we go walking Then he'd look into my eyes Lord knows to my surprise The only one who could ever reach me Was the son of a preacher man The only boy who could ever teach me Was the son of a preacher man You see what he was Everything is alright He kissed and tell me Everything is alright Can I get away again tonight? The only one who could ever reach me Was the son of a preacher man The only boy who could ever teach me Was the son of a preacher man Yes he was He was Absolutely. Um, there's, there's, there's no two ways about that. That show was very interesting to do. Um, I've, I've sort of gotten called for a number of uh, biography shows or how they are called jukebox musicals. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm not necessarily a big fan or enemy of the idea of a jukebox musical. I think they, they totally have their place and especially when it comes to American music um, there's a lot of history there's a lot of drama um, not necessarily people fighting each other but drama within the creation of particular sounds now and add to that that you know these 
songs or this this output of of these particular artists have influenced our collective consciousness what i mean by that is that you know the minute you hear a dusty springfield a big maybell and temptation song or billy holiday song um it has you know a place in your emotional memory so i find that very intriguing right um what that also means for me as a musician and for me specifically uh, having having come from austria uh, is a good amount of research like i did not as many other americans uh grow up with this music uh even though i grew up with a good amount of it but it wasn't uh as prevalent as with a lot of my other with a lot of my peers right so there is a certain uh analytical point of view that i have to take to get into it on the one hand i do know it on the one hand i do like it but then you know i have to substitute the everyday uh habit of listening to it with a certain amount of analytical research uh with dusty um and and i should probably say like before dusty i did this show about big maybell who was a blues singer in the early 50s uh, before there was such a term as rock and roll. Rock and roll didn't exist until, you know, mid-50s. Um, Big Maybells is right there in that pocket of time where rhythm and blues, blues morphs into rock and roll. Uh, so that was an interesting thing to do. It was interesting to get deep into that. And I basically took the concept of learning music um, from that show and put it on dusty and put it on the show that i did after that which was billy holiday's um lady day at emerson's bar and grill and eventually also into my last show which was into proud the life and times of the temptations so um coming back to dusty i thoroughly enjoyed getting into that material i i didn't quite i knew some of her story um i knew some of the um, uh circumstances surrounding her recording um i'm a big fan of atlantic and and the the founders of atlantic records ahmed ertegun um and his brother nisui ertegun and and all of the people that were involved in that tom dowd arif martin like i i'm i'm a big fan i'm a big student of their output and as such um it was great getting into dusty springfield's book so to speak into her music um trying to recreate that sound right trying to and going we got into our coloring book without asking what have you done to deserve this let's face yeah, it yeah. <laughs> it's just very very smart very clever <laughs> well it's one for the aficionados and yeah, you know, this is really like on the nose <laughs> but you know it it totally it it's you know there's there's a lot of truth to that um because again it's not only you don't only play the music meaning you only play the notes uh especially when it comes to recreating songs that have stuck with people's minds and hearts and memories um you are i always liken us especially bass players to sort of manipulators of emotions people cannot really pinpoint the bass that easily uh, but they can definitely pinpoint how a song makes them feel and we have we as bass players have a lot to do with that so going deep into 
any artist's recorded work means not only learning the music, but learning the intent behind that. And that's very important. Uh, and um, yeah, that's that, that Dusty, Dusty was one of those shows, um, like Big Maybell, like Lady Day, like uh, uh, Into Proud, uh, where you really had to go deep and kind of try to recreate uh, a memory for the audience. Because once again, and this is coming back to Jessica's point or Jessica's question, like without the audience, things get tough for us performing artists. Well, I look forward to the day when actually you do the uh, the full Pamela Sue Mann story. That'd be interesting. Obviously, Pamela will be with us, but it'd be quite interesting to to work through that. Um, I know that Jessica and myself always, every New York Real Talk, are keenly awaiting Pamela to deliver the wacky New York moment question. So, uh, Pamela, over to you. George, I'm not sure I, I warned you about this. <laughs> oh, this, go, go for it. That's all good. And I cannot wait to hear your answer because, I, first of all, I know there's not just one. And um, not not incredibly articulate, and 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 like I, I'm 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 gobsmacked by by his immense uh, ability to to convey a thought. Um, but he's also got a really great sense of humor, and um, <laughs> I but he's Austrian. That... Surely Austrians don't have any sense of humor at all, or is that just well... being ironic? I'm, I am American, actually. There was I thinking you were a brother of Arnold Schwarzenegger, but obviously uh, I was completely just, wrong. No, this, uh, even though I sound like him, but no. <laughs> yeah. There comes the point, whether you're in New York for two minutes um, or just in a New York state of mind, or if you are living here for a good amount of time, where something tops everything else. Mm. As I'm in New York City, that was just the wackiest thing that I've ever a experienced, b witnessed, or c you know just like both. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm wondering, George, do you have you know, and, and there's no pressure because you can keep coming on the show, and every time you come on the show, you can you can share another one. <laughs> um, <laughs> you can leave it as a cliffhanger, George. You could yeah, actually right. sort of go part of the way and just leave it as a tease if you wished. And then nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? What would be your wacky mirror you mm. are actually able to share with us? A wacky New York moment, huh? Uh, you know, here's the thing. I the first time oh, here's a good, here's a good one. Um, and this goes all the way back to me um, coming to New York before I actually decided to move here. Um, I am, how old was I? I was 15 years old, 14, 15 years old. I was visiting relatives. Um, my oldest brother, my late oldest brother lived um, here in New York uh, in an area called Washington Heights. He was... Uh, he was his job was he was the night uh he was working the night desk at the un plaza hotel which is all the way down in midtown on the east side so around 50th street right um his apartment was around oof, 180th street something like that so there's quite a just to paint the picture this this a geographical um distance 
um, he got me tickets to see a show, right? Because um, that's what you do when you're in New York, right? And at the time, this was perhaps my second trip to the US. Um, so I was staying with my brother Punsu. Um, he got me tickets to see Chorus Line. I remember that very well. And um, he got me the, he, you know, he was working at night. So I had very precise instructions how to get back to the apartment, right? Show starts at 8, is over by 11. Um, you see those cars, the yellow cars, those are taxis. You take them, you give them, here's the address. I'll write it out for you. You tell them exactly where to go. Here's the money that it'll take, and you're good to go. Here's the key to the apartment, the key, which is the operating word. Um, I do all of that. I get in after the show. I get into the taxi, um, give the cab driver the, the, the money for the fare, give him the address. Everything is working out. He takes me to the address. Um, I get to the apartment building and somehow it has both of us, Punsu and myself, have forgotten that we need two keys to get into the building. One for the building, one for the apartment. It's now 11.45 at night. I'm 15 years old um, in New York of the 80s, which is a different New York than now. And I'm in Washington Heights, completely, completely strange neighborhood. It's a strange because I didn't know it. Foreign, I should say. The big advantage that I had being a black, uh, light-skinned black man is that everyone up there looks exactly like me. So I fit in perfectly, right? Yet I couldn't get into the building. Um, and uh, I tried the key several times. I couldn't get into the building. I only had the apartment door key. Um, to make a long story short, I got the super of the building. Um, of course, I tried to convince him, listen, I am the brother of the dude who lives up, you know, on the eighth floor. Of course uh, you are, you, George. Everybody you know, would say that. Yeah. Can you, can you let me into his apartment or can you let me into the building? And of course, the super was like, dude, I don't know you. Uh, no way. I can't do this. Right. So I did manage to finagle him to give me a phone book. And I called the UN Plaza Hotel where my brother was working. And um, there was just no other way but to go all the way back downtown. Um, at this point, I don't have money. I have a fare for a subway, but I don't have money for a cab, right? So it's now way past midnight. Uh, I'm in Washington Heights in the 80s um, with everything that comes with that. And I have to get onto the subway. And he told me, yeah, take the A train and, you know, get off at whatever the station and, is. And if all else but, fails, just put out a call to Edward Woodward's equalizer. He would have sorted it out. Yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> just somebody, you know, throw me a bone here and get me to the hotel. It's, you know. Um, and I I did just that. I took the A train, um, you know, 12.30, 1 o'clock in the morning. Um, took it. I remember the look of the uh, apartment uh, state, of the, of the uh, subway station. So I got off at that station that looked somewhat like what I remembered, um, walked all the way from the west side of Manhattan to the east side at night as a 15-year-old, um, got the second key, got money for a 
another cab and went back home. That's my that's my New York story. There we are. You see, it, it's just it's almost as the equivalent of Jessica shutting down a, a whole airport in New York because she lost her knapsack. You know, it happens. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, but I mean, the 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 takeaway, <laughs> the big takeaway for me was that um, I'm 15 year old, um, and nothing happened. Absolutely nothing happened. The subway was empty. The streets were empty. Of course, something could have happened, but nothing happened. And what that taught me was that New York was doable. There's a possibility. Like, there are possibilities here. Um, it's not the big, scary place. It can be, of course. Um, but I look the way I look. I fit in uh, very well. And um, I carry myself in a certain way where perhaps, you know, it didn't invite any kind of unfortunate event to happen. Um, yeah, or maybe back you then, just had a decent guardian angel, George. That's a possibility I mean, that's, as well. You know, that's entirely possible. But, um, you know, this, the thing is that, that New York became doable for me. Um, and coming from Vienna, you know, Vienna is, is, is a city and, and, and Austria as a whole is a country with a very uh, tight social net. So in other words, you know, you are being taken care of uh, one way or the other. Um, New York was this big, back then, was this big, scary place where you're basically in free fall all the time. And what that story kind of taught me was that there might be a free fall for sure, but you will land. Very important actual point there to, to actually draw what has been a tremendously uh, exciting uh, New York Real Talk to uh, uh, its closure. Part one, I feel, of, uh, of the epic George Farmer series that we'll be going through. But uh, Pamela, it's, it's up to yourself for uh, the usual two questions for both Jessica and George, of course. Yeah, well, have, starting with Jessica, because ladies first, um, have you had a nice time with us? And would you come back soon? <laughs> Uh, of course, absolutely. I'm just impressed with obviously the photo bombing that uh, uh, Jerry Leonard actually did earlier. It's fantastic. You know, only Jerry Leonard could actually get away with photo bombing on a radio show. It's amazing. <laughs> George, uh, have you had a nice time today? Do you think you'd come back? Oh yeah, absolutely. No, my pleasure. I'll I'll, I'll gladly come back. Um, you know, if there are any 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 other questions, don't hesitate to reach out. Don't don't hesitate to to ask them. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll gladly come back. And I'm pleased that we actually managed to identify that it's George Farmer, the awesome musician, not George Farmer, the Oxford, Oxford graduate who's married to Candace Owens. No. Easily confused, obviously, <laughs> but what the hey? Believe me, I, I um, yeah, there's, there's, there's like a whole, there's a whole story right there. Yeah, precisely. <laughs> Uh, Pamela, the closing uh, line, which clearly does need to have a baseline to really affect people's emotions. Of course, New York, it is the home of... The world's finest pickle.
You need what are you doing? to I said, do come here. what I tell you to do. You need to, to do what do. I tell you to do. Listen to me. Daddy, come here. Hey, right I here, right now. You're making me mad. Listen to How me. Listen to me. To Listen to me. I want to play airplane. I want to play airplane. I want to play Like this, Daddy, do what I say. There you are, Daddy. Take my hand, give me yours, bend your knees, not that way. There when I say go, you start are. pushing me up. Okay. Don't let go yet. Okay, Don't Often there was a rare moment of perfect balance when I soared above him. <laughs> 